Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. come ready to receive the word today? I pray you did. I pray you came with an expectation this morning. Uh, Will you open up your Bible to Psalm 139? We are kicking off a brand new series. Y'all looked at me this morning and said, why is pastor wearing a Hawaiian print shirt? And it's because I felt like dressing the theme of my series. And if you wanted a title for our series that we're going to go through for the next four weeks, it is Psalms for the Summer. Amen? Psalms for the Summer. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about some different psalms that have been on my heart that I want to share with you and with our church family of things that I believe that God uh, is speaking to us uh, together. Um, How many of you have ever read all the Psalms? Anybody in the room ever read all the Psalms? Awesome. There's a handful of people in here. This is an incredible book uh, to go through and read. There's songs and prayers to the Lord. Uh, Most of them are written by David. There are a couple, I believe there there is a couple other authors in there as well. Uh, But I want to jump into this Psalm today and it's Psalm 139. This is going to be our first Psalm that we're going to go through. And I know you may look at it right now and go, that looks very long. There's no way we're getting through this in one week. I promise you I did my best to streamline my notes, and we are going to get through this, even if I keep you here for three hours. Amen? But um, one other thing I do want to make, <laughs> one thing I do want to make mention of today is this. Um, if you will, this afternoon, be praying for Pastor Chelsea and uh, some of the, and, and uh, 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 Kayla uh, Welling, where is she? Is she in nursery today? She's in, she's in, she's in the pre-kids today. Be praying for them and some of the young ladies of our church. Uh, they're going to a conference in Destin this afternoon and tomorrow morning. Pastor Chelsea's ministering in it tonight, and it's a teenage girl conference. It's a conference just for girls, and we're just believing God to have his way um, and just to speak to these young ladies and encourage them and challenge them and bring them to a new level in a relationship and their walk with Jesus. Amen. So this afternoon, will you be praying for them as they travel over to Destin and also be praying for the anointing of God to flow from Pastor Chelsea's mic, if, uh, mouth and mic, and if you will, just pray over that this this afternoon as you're after you're done with lunch or pray for it at lunch if that's the only time you pray is over your food then pray for that too while you're there and uh, just pray and believe God for awesome things amen are you in Psalm 139 okay Psalm 139 let's read this we're going to read the first uh, we're going to kind of just go slowly through it so everybody understands and comprehends and I'm going to break down this whole psalm right here but really when you read this psalm it's a psalm of prayer acknowledging truth and I'm going to show you what I mean by that here in just a minute it's a psalm of prayer acknowledging truth Psalm 139 says this O Lord you have searched me and known me you know my sitting down and my rising up and I'm reading out the New King James Version if anybody's in, uh, wondering if you have an app and need to change it real quickly uh, you understand my thought afar off You comprehend my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Can we stop right there? I want to, this scripture is really powerful. This whole text is this whole chapter, and we will read through the whole chapter, and every time we're going to take breaks and talk about it, because there's a lot to unpack, I believe, in this psalm. 
But, you know, sometimes, he was even prophesied about this morning, there are storms and things that we go through that are our current reality, and they're very real, okay? The things that you're going through, aren't, you're not making these things up in your mind, right? There's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of things that we go through on a day-to-day basis, whether it's raising children, whether it's our job, whether it's frustrations that we have, financial struggles. These things, a lot of these are very real realities that we live in. But this is what this text does. It brings the truth of God's character into our area of life, wherever we are, and shows who he is for us. And that's what I really want you to see today, is as you're looking at your life and you see the frustrations, the issues, the struggles, the problems, I want you to see the character and nature of God revealed in your life, because this is what this psalm is doing. This psalm reaches out and it brings God into our everyday life. David wrote this and he shows us who God is and how to see him properly. But the first thing that you'll notice about this uh, text is it really yells of God being omniscient and omnipresent. Omniscient and omnipresent. Omniscient means this. It's a big word, right? And some of us don't know how to spell it. I didn't know how to spell it, okay? Omniscient is an interesting word. I'm going to spell it for you so you know. It's O-M-N-I-S-C-I-E-N-T. Omniscient, okay? We'll give a spelling bee later so to make sure you got that, okay? That means this, God knows all. Think about that for a second. David's talking here and he says, I don't even have a word on my lips. There's no, there's no word about to form, but you already know what I'm about to say. God is omniscient. He knows everything, which means this. He knows you really well. Like, he knows you better than you know yourself. Like, like if we... <laughs> If we stopped where we know us, we would never accomplish what God has for us. That's the beautiful thing about God, is God's always pulling stuff out of you that you didn't even know you had in you, which means he knows more about you than you even know about yourself. Because you can't pull from yourself what you don't know is not there. But Holy Spirit can pull something out of you that you didn't even know was there. Anybody know what I'm talking about in this room? When, 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 when God talks to Jeremiah, he, he, he looks at Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's like, I can't do this, God. There's no way I can go talk to these people. And he says, and he says that God puts his hand on Jeremiah's lips, and I believe he's saying, shut up, I'm filling your lips now. Okay. And what he's doing, he says, you may not believe you have this power within you, but there is a power that is within you that's greater than yourself because I know the power let me just say this stop selling yourself short all the time and what you think that God can do through you there is there is limitless things that God can do through you I said I was going to teach this today but I feel like preaching this morning there is limitless things that God can do through you the only cap to the limit of what God can do through you is you he's omniscient he knows all he's omniscient he knows you when you're coming and you're going. He knows you when you're at work. Some of y'all may not like that. He knows you when you're home. He knows you when you're on vacation. He knows you whenever you're in the shower. He knows you wherever you are. He knows you when you're in the car. He knows everything. He knows all. And there's two ways we can see this. Y'all ready for this? And two ways that many of us see this. One is very comforting. Man, it's comforting to know that God knows everything. Like, he knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. 
He knows it backwards and frontwards. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Man, that's comforting to know that, you know, no matter what, God is good, and I know that I'm going to come out on the other side as a victor. You know, there's, there could be comfort in that. He's always with me. Man, his presence is always surrounding me. There's comfort could be found in that. Oh, man, God knows what I'm going through. Man, there could be comfort found in that. Or we could find it creepy. <laughs> like he's a peeping Tom. Like, like God, you mean no matter where I go, he's there? Even whenever I'm in sin, he's there? Even when I'm doing wrong things, he's there? I don't want God to see that my crazy and my ugly. Well, guess what? God sees all your crazy and your ugly. According to, <laughs> according to what David says, he knows you're ugly before you even speak it. Some of us speak a lot of ugly. He knows all. He's omniscient. But listen to this. Verse 5 said it like this. He says, You rest or you have laid your hand upon me. Think about this. What do we do whenever we go to pray for somebody and pray a blessing over someone? One of the things that we find ourselves doing is whenever we go to do that, we lay our hands on them as a sign of blessing. Will's here, so I'm going to pick on him today. We lay hands on somebody as a sign of blessing. We lay hands on someone as a sign of a transfer, if you will, of blessing and power. So, David's talking about how you know it all, God. You're acquainted with all my ways. And by the way, just so you know, whenever David was writing this, this was post-David being a bad man. David was a bad boy. A really bad boy. Slept with Bathsheba. Had Bathsheba's husband killed. Huh? He was messed up. He, he did some messed up stuff. You know what's interesting about all that, though? And that we could preach a whole series just on the heart of David. But he's called a man after God's own heart. So... How can it be that a man who is, has done terrible acts also be known as a man of great godly power? I don't know. Ask Saul. Saul's conversion to Paul. Paul now is a, it has written most of the New Testament, and in a lot of the principles that we live by are things written under the unction of the Holy Spirit through Paul. Messed up man. That, that should give you heart that, that You should take heart in that today He goes, no matter how messed up I am Doesn't mean that God can't still use me Now hear this That doesn't mean he's still going to use you Whenever you're still messing up all the time It's not an, an invitation to sin And continue to sin And God just, oh, God's going to use me Even in the midst of it Listen, there's still correction There is still, there is still repentance There is forgiveness There is a, a salvation that you need to walk out With fear and trembling All these things need to take place In your life, I'm getting a little bit off course But listen, God still will use you Even if you've messed up in your past Amen. He still has a plan for you We'll talk about that just a little bit But he's omniscient, that's what we've been talking about So he lays his hand upon me That's what it says This signifying this That God is always there not to condemn Dim. He is not, it doesn't say, you have spanked my butt. He's, he's not talking, we say, you laid your hand upon me. It's not saying, God, you have smacked my booty because I'm in trouble. You've, re- you've laid or rested your hand upon me, meaning it is a signification of blessing. And not only just blessing, there's no condemnation. 
God's not, and I said this earlier, God's not an angry man in the sky waiting for you to sin and, and, and just running from you when you get ugly. God doesn't run from you when you get ugly. God runs to you when you get ugly because he knows, he knows God, is, God is always running after you. We can run as fast and hard away from him as we want to, but God is still always pursuing you. And I want you to know that today, that God loves you with an everlasting love, and there's nothing that you can do that is too far for the Father's arms. Amen? And once again, David knows this because based on the time he would have wrote this, it would have been after he slept with Bathsheba, after he killed Bathsheba's husband, but yet God was still with David. God doesn't leave you because he, listen to this, God doesn't leave you because you aren't doing enough or because you messed up. God doesn't leave you just because you messed up or you're not doing enough for the kingdom or you're not doing enough to earn, you can't earn salvation. So get that out of your head, okay? Like, no matter what you do in this church, it doesn't earn your salvation. No matter what you do, giving to people, it, that doesn't earn your salvation. Relationship with Jesus, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, salvation. By grace, you've been saved, amen? Now let's keep going. Verse 7, you ready for this? Let's keep going. Verse 7. For wh- where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. Listen to this. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand, I want you to make note of that, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Verse 12, indeed the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. This is about to mess with some of y'all big time. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. I'm going to break that down. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. So David here now, he's continuing to talk about the omniscient God that we serve, the omnipresent God that we serve. But he's also testifying of how good, merciful, and power his grace is. He's once again speaking of the omnipresent nature, meaning of God, which means this. If you don't know what omnipresent means, it means that God is always there. David makes this startling statement whenever he says, where can I go from your spirit? He's not saying that as like, oh, Holy Spirit, leave me alone. You're really, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, get away. Like, he's not running from the Holy Spirit. He's literally putting forth a question and going, listen, there's, when I look back at my life, and I look at everything that I've done. And I've looked at all the times I have, I, I've failed you, God. When I look at all the times that I've messed up. When I look at all the times that I did sinful, terrible acts. When I, did, when I look back, whenever I slept, even whenever I was there. And I was in the bedroom in a place where I shouldn't have been. And whenever I was lining things up for people's death, even though I shouldn't have been. Where could I go in even those moments that your spirit was still not there with me? He's always there. He said, when you look back on my life, the highs and the lows, no matter, you were still there. You are still God. You're still good. And you are still right there with me. What's interesting to think about is this. This little side thing is David wrote this, right? Which means the Holy Spirit had not been given yet. He knew who God was for him. And listen, omnipresent can sometimes sound condemning to us. Like, once again, I said this a minute ago, like, we're concerned that God's going to see our ugly. 
Like we're frustrated and, 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 and concerned that God might see something wrong that we do. But listen, David reveals the posture of God's omnipresent nature in verses 7 through 10. When he says this, I'm going to read it again. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. I'll just stop right there. What is the omnipresent nature of God? It is not what we have manipulated it to be in our Western culture. It is not what we have manipulated the word of God to be. And God is not the condemning God that's sitting up in the heavens like an angry boss waiting to fire you whenever you mess up. David reveals the omnipresent nature of God as a loving father, not an angry boss. He's not a kingpin sitting in the heavens. He's a loving father who loves his children better than you've ever been loved in your life. There is not a love that you will know greater than the father's love. The greatest love that you can think up in your head, multiply it by a million. <laughs> multiply it by infinity. God's love never runs out. He's always there for us. David is showing us that he is a loving father because the Old Testament is given for our example, right? And so how much more do we have examples all throughout the word of God showing and revealing God's omnipresent loving nature through all of scripture? But not only that, now we have the power of his spirit being given to us so now we can even know that love in a greater way. I say all of that right there just to be a reminder of this, that he's always with you and he's there to comfort you not condemn you. I'm going to say that again. That, does, that doesn't mean he's not there to convict you. And oftentimes we do this with condemnation and conviction. If it is making you feel like a terrible person and it's making you feel like a dirty dog sinner and the worst person of all time, that is condemnation and is not of God. That is hell's lies. I'm not saying, listen to me, because this is, what, this is what happens. Holy Spirit convicts us and then our flesh turns it into condemnation so that we can just stay where we're at. That's what we do. Holy Spirit says, nope, don't do that. And then we go, oh no, yeah, I shouldn't do that, but yeah, you're right. And then our flesh takes over and we let our flesh have its way and we give ear to the enemy and we begin to think, well, God just is trying to punish me and hurt me and, and cramp my style and keep me from doing things that I enjoy or whatever it may be. And that shame cycle kicks in. And then because of the shame cycle, we don't ever actually break free. We just keep doing it and live in a shame, shame cycle. A shame cycle. We live in a shame cycle. Say that three times fast. It's hard. We live in a cycle of shame because of condemnation. But listen, conviction comes, I say it like this, numerous times I've said this, conviction is like an alarm clock, okay? This morning, my alarm clock was going off, <laughs> and I did not turn it off. Pastor Chelsea had to come in and turn it off. I thought I was dreaming about the alarm clock, but that's a whole other story. But it's like an alarm clock. The alarm clock doesn't hold the power to keep you from, like, the, the alarm clock does not make you get up out of bed. There's nothing about the alarm clock that picks you picture took us up out of that bed and starts your day now what it will do is it will alert you and then you have an option from the alert time this is your options ours we use alexa alexa cancel and then get up and start your day or you have the second option alexa 
snooze. <laughs> How to be honest, say I choose snooze a little too much, okay? This is, this is what it looks like now in the spirit. You ready? Your alarm goes off. If you snooze it, you are starting to give into condemnation. Because what's going to happen is it's going to just keep going off, keep going off, and keep going off, and you're going to live in a sleep cycle that way. But if you, snoo- if you stop it and you get up from where you are and take, your, take from where you are to somewhere else, which is what conviction should lead us to. It should lead us out of darkness, out of where we are, into newness of life, into a greater path, on the righteous path, right? So what conviction should do for us, then we know that that is the ear of conviction. We know that we're doing the right thing in those moments. So the Holy Spirit is there to bring us comfort. And listen, you will find comfort in doing the godly and righteous thing, amen? There will always be comfort in that. Because His Spirit is this for us. Listen, His Spirit is the comforter, the helper, the advocate, the counselor, and our power. I'll say it again. He's the comforter. He's the helper. He's the advocate. He's the counselor. And he is our power. It means this. Whenever conviction hits you, the alarm clock of the spirit goes off, there's comfort in knowing there's a way out. And guess what? He doesn't leave you where you are. He helps you on your way out. And on your way out, if any demon in hell tries to come against you, he advocates and fights for you. And then after he's advocated and he's fighting and he's fought for you, he begins to counsel you on your new path. And then he is your power to sustain you on the righteous path that he has for you. If we will actually listen with our ear to the spirit of conviction, that comfort will be there for us. Amen. But let me show you something. There was a guy in the Bible named Jonah. Anybody know about Jonah? Jonah, that guy. (laughs) <laughs> He's a prophet God instructs him says go to Nineveh Warn them about some things They're about to suffer some terrible consequences If they don't stop sinning However Jonah does not want to go So he tries instead to flee to Tarshish He's trying to flee From the presence of the Lord Oh God where can I go to Your presence is not with me Jonah's trying to find it out <laughs> He's like I'm going to get on this boat And we are going Okay But it's supposedly, no one actually knows like the exact place of Tarshish, but it's supposedly the furthest west that Jonah could have imagined going. At the far western end of the Mediterranean Sea, it was like going on the wings of the dawn to the end of the earth. However, as Jonah, as Jonah, as traveling across the sea, the Jonah, <laughs> is traveling across the sea, the Lord sends a storm to torment the boat. And then Jonah realizes I'm the Jonah, right? Y'all ever been on a boat like, who's the Jonah? Nobody? Okay, that's just me, I guess. I've been on enough cruises to where, like, we kept going on a cruise with this one family, and every time we went on the cruise, it was terrible seas. And we're like, they're the Jonah. They're not allowed to go on cruises with us anymore. So listen, the family cruise in March, if any of you are Jonah, (laughs) they have plenty of lifeboats, all right? (laughs) He's thrown overboard. He's the Jonah of the boat. And it says there's a big fish Comes and swallows him up For three days And it says this A very interesting text And I believe this is kind of what David's talking about here Listen to this Jonah says this in Jonah chapter 2 verse 2 I called out of my distress To the Lord And he answered me I cried for help from the depth of Sheol 
which if you don't know what the word Sheol means, it basically means that Jonah died. Because it means death. And it was understood as the place of death, almost like a hell. And so it says, I cried from hell, from the depth of Sheol, and you heard my voice. Think about that for a second. Think about it with what David is saying. I Even if I make my bed in hell, you hear my voice. You know me. You know where I'm at. You know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm about to say next. I'm not encouraging anyone to make their beds in hell. <laughs> but what I am saying is if you're currently in hell, you begin to cry out to the Lord right where you're at. And God says, I see you and I will pull you from that place. That, I don't care what you have been preached over the last decade, two decades, three decades, four decades, five decades of your life. If it does not line up with God being a good father, it is not who God is at all. And you have been introduced into the wrong Jesus, into the wrong God, and into the wrong Holy Spirit for years. And I apologize for the years of incorrect theology and preaching that you have sat and listened to. And I don't mean that as a slam on anybody. I respect generations of preachers and ministers before me. They have done a lot of things incredible for the body of Christ. They have went through a lot of years and a lot of time of, of turmoil and issues and problems. And I respect and honor them. But at the same time, it is my duty and my right to preach the word of God and show the people of our church body the loving nature of God. Is God still one that corrects? Absolutely. Is God still one that convicts? Absolutely. Is God still a God of justice? Absolutely. But just as much as God is a God of justice, he's a God of mercy and a God of love. If you don't know God as a God of love, then you don't know God at all because that's who God is. Even in the depths of the sea, in the belly of a fish, God is with Jonah. Don't tell me that if your son huh, right now is in a crack house somewhere and calls on the name of Jesus, that God can't reach into that place and pull him out of there divinely in protection and safety and being the comforter and the helper and the advocate. Don't tell me God won't do that just because he's messed up so many times. Let that be, let that be a charge in your heart today. That no matter what your family is going through, no matter who you know is going through this or you're going through that, God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. God knows all and he is there with you today. Amen? We found in the scripture it says that he lifted him with his right hand. His right hand. It's very clear. It says his right hand. That's significant. You want to know Why? Because the dominant hand in Hebrew literature is the right hand. It's a symbol of strength and dominion. So if he's upholding him with strength and dominion, listen, God will lay hold of you wherever you are at if we cry out to him. And I want you to write this down because you need to remember this. Y'all still with me this morning? <clears throat> I promise you won't excuse me, keep you too much longer. The <coughs> water went down a little bit funky. Write this down. Just as God's love has no bounds, 
God's strength has no limitations. Just as God's love has no bounds, God's strength has no limitations. Meaning no matter where you're at, there's no limit that he can't reach. There's no place that he can't reach into and pull out, pull you out from where he is, from where you are, excuse me. Now let's look at this last line real quickly as we're kind of coming to the end of this part. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. It's a puzzling thought because we're always taught dark and light are different, and they are. Darkness and light should be different. If we turned out all the lights in this room right now, y'all would say dark and light are very much different, right? Because it is. If you walk into a room, you turn your kid's light on, and the light comes on, it's very different. Your eyes have to adjust. There's numerous things. But what David is really revealing here is, once again, the posture of God and how God sees things. And what he's really saying is, if I call your name in darkness, you can see straight through it and pull me out. And if I call your name in the light, you can see me and you can uphold me. Either way, whether I'm hiding in darkness or I'm out in plain sight, those look the same to you. God doesn't need night vision. God just sees straight through it. He doesn't, he doesn't, he sees straight through your sin to the heart of what's going on in your life. And when you call on his name, he's there, amen. Verse 13, for you formed me, I'm sorry, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest place, I'm lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. The days were fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Listen to me. God is the creator, and he chose to create you. That's what David's revealing here. This reveals now, so he's been revealed as an omniscient God, omnipresent God. And now he's revealing the omnipotence of God, which means this, unlimited great power. It's revealing God as a God of great power. Really think about this for a moment. I want you to chew on this for a second. I want you to think about yourself, and I want you to think about this. Think about the magnitude of everything that God created. Think about every single person that he's created in the history of the world. Think about the trees that he created, the fish, the cattle, everything, dark, light, grass, sand, gnats, everything, (laughs) everything, every wonderful thing. He created like steak (laughs) everything that he created and then think about this out of all the choices he could have made out of all the unlimited resources that God has he creates you think about that for a second he could create anything and anybody but he creates you A God of limitless resources and unlimited power decides to create you for such a time as this. Because also, let's go another step. God could place you in any era of time. Any era, any time. 
And God says, no, John Anderson, I need John Anderson in 2023. That's when I need him because he has something to give to the kingdom of God in this time, in this day, in this age. He looks at Will Holloway and says, I need Will Holloway to still be going at 2023 and to be going on for the foreseeable future. You know why? Because God still has things that he wants Will Holloway to accomplish. He looks at Mr. Russ and says, I need Mr. Russ still going and kicking and doing sound in 2023 because he's got something to give to the kingdom of God. He looked at this time period and this day and this age and said I'm going to create this person for such a time as this don't think for a minute that you were made out of happenstance and out of a whoops I don't care what was said about you I don't care if your grandma said that about you your mom said it about you your dad your aunt your uncle whoever it is said you were an accident or maybe you know we didn't want you or any of that listen to me God made you on purpose with a purpose for a purpose to accomplish the purpose of heaven here on earth amen You're a masterpiece. You're God's handiwork is what the scripture says in Ephesians 2. You're God's handiwork. And you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do so. It means this. He already had a plan for you. Before you went, he already had a plan for you. He already had a voice for you. He already had something for you to accomplish here on earth. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in health. He has plans to give you hope in the future. You find that in Jeremiah. And you're here for such a time as this, just like Esther. I'm going to say it like this. Stop cursing now and start changing now. Oh, this generation. Stop cursing now and change now. Oh, have you seen the culture and what's going on? Stop cursing now and change now. Which, by the way, might mean you have to go to the mirror first and change you first. Huh? Man in the mirror. Uh, That's you. Change it. Change now. Imagine what the kingdom of God could do if we just worked together and changed together and to conform to the actual image of Christ and who he is. Not who we've made him to be. I was talking about this with somebody yesterday, and it's an excellent quote that Pastor Casey Doss says. It says this, we are always trying to arm God, and God is always disarming us. Meaning this, we're always wanting God to be the God of vengeance and the God of great justice and rain down fire. And that's how we think about the next generation. That's what we think about other uh, uh, people in culture that don't align with our beliefs and our, the way that we live and even maybe sexual orientation. Or thing. We start thinking, God, bring vengeance to the nations on them. No, Lord, heal our nation. Heal those that are oppressed. Set free those that are enchained and enslaved in that bondage and captivity in their mind. Let them know the knowledge of Christ and how good you are. And that they won't search for love in places that they were never meant to search for love in. But Lord, let them find love in your loving arms and let that change them. Stop cursing now and change now with what comes out of your mouth. Amen. Let's let's end here. And David kind of shows this here. Watch this. Because David doesn't do the best thing here, I'm not going to lie. Then David turns his prayer in an instant. And if you're honest, you've probably done this. And I love what David then brings behind it, but we'll talk about that in a second. I promise you, we'll come too close. 
Oh, that you, hold on a second. David just talking about how I praise you, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. All the great things that you are, you know everything. I, when you wake, when I wake, you're with me. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Like all of a sudden, it turns into a screamo song. D, David's like singing this beautiful hymn. He's like, oh, that you would slay the wicked. All of a sudden, like, like what? Oh God, depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. For they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. I want you to remember this, okay? We fight not with flesh and blood. We, f- we fight against spiritual hosts of wickedness, okay? When we pray... Pray the wicked spirit would die off people, not that people would die. Because if they die giving their lives fully to hell's mission, understand why I say that? We have not done well at praying for them to come into the knowledge of Christ. We have not given them, and it's, listen, it's God's will that none will perish, but all will come to know him, is what the scripture That's how God reveals himself. That's his will, that's his plan. And we're supposed to pray the kingdom of heaven and earth. Guess what that means? We should be praying, Lord, that person deliver them and let them be free. Lord, let every wicked spirit die off of them. Every chain, every bondage, every confusion right now, let it be broken now in Jesus' name. And from that, that fuzz and from the confusion, let clarity of your love break through the darkness of nights. And let your light shine in the darkness in their life, Father. Let them come to know you. That is warring in the spirit. We do not war against flesh and blood. We war against spiritual wickedness. I'll show you one more example real quickly. In the story of Saul's conversion to Paul, Saul's a terrible man, killing Christians. Saul has a Damascus Road experience. He's blinded. God speaks then to a man named Ananias and says, hey, go pray for Saul. Ananias is like, hold up. He's going to kill me. Like, I've heard about him. He is, that's like walking into my death. Like, God, I love you, but... I'm going to die. And God says, go. He's my chosen vessel. Ananias goes, prays for him, says the scales fall off his eyes, receives his sight back. He's baptized, receives the Holy Ghost, and then takes days to be discipled. I give you that real quickly to say this. How much different would the story look if Ananias said, no, I'm not going, and just stuck to, no, I'm not going? Well, why am I bringing that up? Because I want us as a church to understand this. That yes, we take stands against wickedness. We don't take stands against people. Had Saul taken, I mean, had Ananias taken a stand against Saul as a person and stuck to his guns and said, no, I won't go near Saul as a person because I know of his character and not listen to the voice of the Lord, Ananias would have missed out on the opportunity to minister to somebody who really needed Jesus, who really needed God at that moment. And I want to tell you to be very careful on how you stand against principalities and powers and that your stance against principalities and powers doesn't bleed into your stance against people. Because if you are always standing against people who think and act differently than you, you will always miss the opportunity to minister to people who think and act differently than you. And you say you want to see the captives free, but do you really? Because guess what? In order to see the captives free means you've got to actually go talk to some people who are in bondage. I'm not saying they have to be your best friend. I'm saying you are going to have to talk to them. You have to show them the love of Jesus. Remember this. Just as God made you, he made them too. 
And just as God has a heart for them, he has a heart, a heart for you, he has a heart for them too. Stop standing against people and stand against wickedness. Stop praying for death over people. Pray for death over spiritual bondage. And I love how David ends this psalm. This is the close. And Miss Donna, if you can go and come play. Because we're going to pray this here in just a minute. He ends it with this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. David's prayer here is in the midst of all of this. If there's still wickedness, even if what I'm praying right now, if there's wickedness in me, search me, O Lord. Change my heart. Change my perspective. Change what you need to change. David's saying, after all this, if I'm missing something, show me. I don't know it all. You don't know it all. That should be our prayer. Because we serve a God who does know it all. We serve an omniscient God who knows all. And you know what I love about God? Sometimes, for our married folks in here, God will sound like the voice of your spouse. And they see, he sees things in you that you don't see. You know what they're called? Blind spots. Anybody ever been in a car and you're backing up and there's a spot, or you're changing lanes there's a spot that's blinding, you can't see it well? Guess what? Everybody in this room, you got a blind spot somewhere. Guaranteed. I got blind spots. I know I do. And I'm thankful I have a, a wife who point them out. And I'm thankful I got kids that'll point them out now too. And I'm thankful that I have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within me to point them out. And when you pray this, God begins to point out these blind spots in your life. And that's what David's prayer is because he recognized, hey, I got blind spots and I need help. Let me say it like this, and you may want to write this down, then we'll stand right after this. You can't have a pure heart without asking the only pure source to search you. God is the only pure source. So you can't have a pure heart. If you want a pure heart, clean hands and a pure heart, the only way to receive a pure heart is asking the one who's a pure source to search you. Will you stand to your feet this morning? His prayer here is show me where I am. Show me the way out of where I am. And listen to me, friends. He's faithful. God is faithful. He knows you. He's with you. He's for you. And he's leading you. But today what I want to do is I want to pray that last line of this prayer. I want to pray this, and I'm going to have you all repeat after me in just a moment. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray this, and then I just want to go silent for a moment. This is a little different for how we close. We don't normally close like this. I normally close, pray, and lead, bless you on your way. But this morning, I kind of want to do some soul searching just for a minute, if you will. And we're going to lift our hands to the Lord here in just a moment. And I'm going to, we're just going to repeat this simple prayer that David gave us. And we're going to go silent for about 30 seconds. And I just want you to begin to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Feel his presence. And let the Lord illuminate some of those blind spots in your life. And then ask the Lord, and then we're going to pray. I'm just going to pray over you. I'm going to ask the Lord to change those things in your life, to empower you, to comfort you, to help you, to be that advocate for you. So will you lift your hands to the Lord right where you're at? Will you say, repeat this after me? Say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties 
and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now I just want to go silent just for a moment. I just want you to sit there just for a minute. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for illuminating those areas in our life. We thank you, Lord, for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that leads us to change. We thank you and we ask you now that you'll be our comforter. You'll comfort us in these moments where you've convicted us, where there might be discomfort that's happening. Father, I thank you that you're coming right now as the comforter. Then, Lord, you're coming as a helper. Your spirit is helping us to where we're going. And Lord, you are our advocate. You're fighting for us. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you counsel us and teach us how to walk in everlasting life and in a righteous life. And as you teach us, Father, you give us the power to walk those things out. So Lord, with lifted hands to you, we say, great are you, Lord. We're thankful for your presence. We're thankful that you're omniscient, that you know all. You know greater than us. We think you're omnipresent, that you're always, always with us. And we thank you, God, for your omnipotence, for your great power, unlimited power, Father. So, Lord, we surrender everything to you. We thank you for everything you've done, everything you're doing, and everything you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Well, you've got a hand clap of praise in the room today. Amen.